This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time for bookings. Welcome to Bookends with Maren Rout and Ruth Todd. And uh, today, Maren? I'm talking to Kerry Harrison, an Auckland writer, about her latest novel, which is based on the 1981 Springbok tour. Fascinating. I still remember that. And uh, I'm looking at uh, living with the traditions of Te Ao Māori with Francis and uh, Kaiora Tipani. Following on from their bestseller, Life as a Cascatea, Francis and Kaiora Tipine share how they bring the traditional values of tikanga Māori into day-to-day living, what they know about whānau, mahi and manakitanga, and how they live a life rich with the concepts of te ao Māori. Known for their warm hearts, grace and humour, the stars of the wildly popular TV series, The Cascateers, show how the traditions of tikanga shapes their lives, juggling five sons, three businesses and a television show, all while sustaining a life filled with joy and connection. Welcome to the programme. Thank you. What a beautiful introduction. Wow. It's amazing how that's been put together. I'm just like, wow. It's, well, you it's, make, it's, make us sound so... Um, you know, like, amazing. Well, you are. You are. I, I can't <laughs> imagine bringing up five sons while you were starting that business. And it's it's just, it was a bit about timing, I think. It was just seemed right that we at last had a Māori programme um, on, you know, mainstream TV, which I thought would never happen. And um, there it was. And people would you know, bowled over by what you did and how you did it. <laughs> so let's talk about this new book, Tikanga, because it's um, so full of traditions, of um, of everything. And, you know, you've gone through little by little, one, one chapter by one chapter, all the tikangas um, possible, <laughs> all your customs and traditions and and talked to them in each chapter, to e- talking to each other, you and Francis. And um, so for the reader, it's such a relaxed read. And it's I'm learning so much just by these casual conversations, or they sound casual. You can make them sound casual. I'm sure a lot <laughs> of work went into the, what, was, what you wanted to put into them. So um, you must be thrilled with this because um, it's just out and... Um, are you going to make more TV programs? Yes, yes, thank you. We we are. We're just, we're so humbled by the response, and you know, people um, are just amazed. Yeah, they they amaze us with with their feedback, and we weren't expecting this response. And we still don't. We're going into our fifth year now of of filming our fifth season, and um, every season is is new. Every season um, has its has its challenges, but at the same time we we learn. We're still learning, and people are learning us um, beside us. Uh, we just take every every day as it comes. I think, but with this show though, and and I, if I can humbly say this, it's it has broken so many barriers, and there's 
you know, we one person shared with me the other day, she goes, you know what, I used to be afraid of talking about death, but through your show, I'm able to have a normal conversation with my friends. I'm able to talk with my children. I said, thank you. You, you know, it's just, yes. all these responses are really humbling. Well, I see this book, this new book, as a complimentary um, edition. It complements mm. your TV program, doesn't it? And But you're, again, teaching us in a very relaxed manner, which you do so well, and we're, we're learning as we go along. And I think some of the most important chapters for me were bringing up um, the treaty and how important the treaty um, of Waitangi has been for you uh, growing up and how mostly it's been confused by Pākehā because they were seeing it one way and Māori were seeing it the other way and neither <laughs> would meet. And, you know, <laughs> your, expect, your expectations were quite real and um, the British expectation, expectations were quite, quite different because they were um, colonising all around the world at that time. And so to have that um, clever, clearly explained in here helps a lot, I think, for both Pākehā and, and Māori to um, move on from that um, confusion, and then um, and then I think about the time I went into to Papa and listened to all the stories there um, about the treaty and how much I've learnt and more from your book as well. So, you know, it's oh, it, it, death, death. Uh, your pro, TV programs about death, and there are mm-hmm. so many um, towns around death, aren't there? So it was a perfect program to do. But I, I was, I laughed at the, the person who or people who came to your to see what was they thought was a TV set. Yeah, it's right. There's and it's still the same. Like we just opened up the bubble um, not too long ago to, to Australia, and we're still getting people land. Oh, <clears throat> I came to Portiora yesterday from Auckland, and as I'm, I'm. You know, about to catch my flight, and one person comes running up to me and says, I've just landed from Sydney, and I just want to tell you that you guys are amazing, and I, I want to come and have a look at your funeral home, but I've got told that it's not real, that it's at another, another um, setting, and I said, Oh my gosh, that's a laugh. I said, Oh, so people must think that we care for loved ones that are sitting. No, absolutely not. And, and what I appreciate is I, I have to really, I have to acknowledge our production team and how they've articulated it on um, to come across on the screen and especially with, with the banter between my husband and the staff how they've articulated it is just amazing I just I think people are able to relate to all of us and um, especially in grief uh, at some point in time you know we, we will be facing um, personal loss I, I I hear this so many times, and I'm so grateful for the response that people, that the show helps them through their grief. I'm sure. And it helps Pākehā um, understand far more about what death means to you and how yeah. we can learn from it too, um, because it's um, mean a very different um, funeral rites, etc., for Pākehā, but it's changing, and we're taking, expecting some of the wonderful 
things that you do around death. I wonder how you feel about history being taught in schools from next year. Oh, there was an interesting uh, conversation I had the other day, actually. I'm looking forward to what that will bring in the future for our for our future generation. I hope that this book would be, um, you know, educational for all ages. That's right. That's right. And uh, I'm I'm as hopeful as you are that um, it goes ahead and it's going to go ahead. Um, we've got so many wonderful people who can um, who have prepared the. Um, well, the curriculum, I suppose, and what's going to happen at each level. And um, that will grow and grow and we'll make mistakes, but we can change all that. And it won't please everybody at first go, but it will gradually mm. just become same subject as, if you know, as other subjects, but, but clarifying so much of our past that we had Thank never you. learned at school. And I certainly didn't. Um, and uh, mm. I taught history, um, but I didn't know about anything much in New Zealand history. We talked about the English kings and queens and, mm. and European histories. And our history is so exciting and so <laughs> full of richness, um, you know, isn't it? Oh, I'm blessed to hear you say that. It's lovely. Thank you. I feel that um, through this book, you know, it's we, we don't say that it's... It's not the Bible, if I can say it like that with Tikanga. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of scholars out there, a lot of um, experts that have their knowledge in Tikanga. But this is simply our account and of of um, our upbringing, and I'm grateful for my parents and our grandparents that have helped. You know, that have instilled these wonderful teachings. So, yeah. Well, you both you and Francis. Had very rich bringing ups, didn't you? I mean, you um, you were everything. These topics all fitted into your lives, and it was a a life of belonging and also a lot of connection, which is mm. so important. You connect to, you know, you have cousins everywhere, and <laughs> I don't know some of my relations who don't live in New Zealand and. Um, uh, I concentrate on the ones who are here because I've got sure. quite, quite a lot of grandchildren now, but I ju- which is wonderful. But I just think you can bring so many just from your um, whanau and your whakapapa, and, and I mm. can't do that um, very well, and I'm learning to do it a little, little bit more. But uh, I, I just mm. love uh, being able to um, read this book and I know people are going to enjoy it. Some of it's just like fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Can it be true? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. This, how we wrote this book, you know, because, of course, my husband and I, we struggled to find time to even um, with our kids. That's right. So in the morning, we had to uh, wake up early hours in the morning just to talk with a wonderful um Editor, or no, he's he's what we call the ghostwriter. Yes. His name's Paul Little, and he's amazing. And it's just it's just amazing how he's bought, you know, how he's had produced this book because every word sounds exactly like us. So there we are, just having a normal conversation with him every morning. He'll just ask questions, and we just talk. Well, he it's was the right like therapy, you know. He was the right person, wasn't he, to work with you? He's amazing. Mm. Yes, Paul Little is amazing. He is. 
So, um, how is, is it harder to um, run the TV program or write a book? It's funny you ask that. I actually think it almost feels the same. You know, you, yes. you, you're you watching yourself on TV and you go, oh, my goodness, do I say that? <laughs> and then when, it's like when you read the book and you go, oh, heck, did I really say that? Oh, my God, I did. <laughs> too late, too late. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's already gone, so there you go. Well, continue to be your natural selves and and entertain us and teach us, and uh, it, there's a richness that I love. So thank, thank you. you. Everybody needs a copy of Tikanga, Living with the Traditions of Te Ao Māori, and by Francis and Kaiora Tipane. It's published by HarperCollins. You're listening to Bookends on Plains FM 96.9. Hold the Line, the Springbok tour of 81, a family, a love affair, a nation at war. It's a novel by Auckland writer Kerry Harrison. Kerry has a Master's of Creative Writing from AUT. She's taught English and drama for many years, had poetry and short stories published in many literary magazines, and she's been a semi-finalist in the Sunday Star short story competition. In 2011, she wrote a novel about the Wahini uh, disaster called Wahini. But this time she's turned her attention to another um, real-life incident, the Springbok tour of 81. Kerry, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and I was there, you know, boots and all. So you've, I think this was a topic for you, you wrote a play about it? Yes, it's it, it's had a number of different manifestations. It was a radio play for Radio New Zealand um, many years ago, uh, and then it, there was talk about it being made into a film, and I worked on that for quite a few years with um, the Murphy, children of Jeff Murphy, but it didn't quite get to the finish line, so I got it back as a novel, and I've you know, been doing that for a few years. What's what did you have to change to to make it into a novel? Uh, you did you did you tinker with the plot over the years? Uh, I yes. guess you've had many yeah. chances to look yeah. and look and tighten it up. Yeah, I, I simplified it quite a bit, uh, and you know, with 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 anything that's a script, you can't kind of write descriptions and get into backstory so much of characters. And so I did, you know, a lot of I did a, well. I had to do quite a lot of research, but I kind of got into the heads of you know my main characters and kind of really fleshed them out and yeah, brought them to life. Well, let's talk about the characters. There are, well, I guess two main characters. We're talking about a love affair here, but there's yeah. a, but there's a lot of other characters that you fleshed out as well. The families of both the um, the two main characters and their friends. So, Victor, who came first, Victor or Beth? Uh, Beth, really. She she was the one I had in my mind for many many years, um, and then. Victor had been a sort of a smaller character 
kind of quite a different character. And then I, I realised, you know, somebody had told me about uh, riot squad office, officers that have been quite traumatised by their experiences and and I thought about what might be going on in their heads and, you know, who they may be. Beth, tell us about Beth. Uh, Beth, Beth, she's just a young woman. She's come back from the UK. Uh, she, you know, she comes from a rugby, rugby-loving rugby family. Her father's kind of a real rugby sports craze, crazy guy. Um, she has a brother, Robbie, who's quite very into the protests. Um, you know, she's had a bit of an experience in the UK that's kind of wounded her. And, um, and then she's got to kind of look out for her dad because he's got... You know, issues he was in the Second World War, and so he, he's he's also got post he's got post traumatic stress disorder. So, you know, she's kind of a little bit on edge in lots of ways because as a young woman, she's having to, you know, as we we are when we are young, I guess we're thinking about lots of different things and trying to juggle them. And she's at law school too. Which, yeah, that's a, an important part. And that's where she comes across Victor. Yeah. So Victor yeah. has an interesting background as well. Yes, yeah, he's he's Croatian, and you know his his family owned a fish and chip shop in Dominion Road in Auckland, but they're not necessarily that attached to the Croatian community, and and he has more kind of issues around his identity. He's lived in like this. He's been away for a couple of years. He's been in Sydney. Um, and he has a younger brother who died. So he, he's got kind of issues he's resolving. As well as his past as a police officer, you know, he had a break from that um, before he joined the, the Red Squad. Now, you stood up in front of the Red Squad, so it, you had to put yourself <laughs> into, into his mind and, and find empathy there and, mm. and explain... As, as as you've done very well, how people end up in those positions and th- the actions and the incidents, they can't really prepare for them, even though they've done training. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was such a level of fury from on both sides, really, I think. And the protesters, you know, they became, as time went on, you know, things got more and more militant. Um but, you know, it was a time of masks, too. You could hide behind your mask or your helmet or whatever, a protest. And for the riot squad, definitely. You know, it was very hard to tell who was doing all those kind of quite major violent acts at times. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's, it's it caused a lot of... Uh, it caused real a break to... I think, in our trust in the police, but also the police themselves kind of had ongoing issues from it. I can't imagine they wouldn't. And you're right. Those of us who were around and most of us listening or, 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 or most of the people listening, I guess, will will have their own memories of that time. Mm. It, it, it caused some very stark and, and, and often quite bitter... Um, dissension in families, amongst friends, amongst work colleagues. Yeah. It really was a, a you know, a, a division in people. Everyone was arguing. Yes. You know, you'd yeah. go into a dairy and people were arguing, you'd go, you know, um, to parties, people would be arguing, you know, the, 
you know, I mentioned when I've been talking about this, Gordon McLaughlin wrote a book about New Zealanders called The Passionless People and saying that we were quite ordinary and sort of complacent, but we certainly weren't in 1981, and I don't think we are, actually. No. I think he revised that. I think he revised that idea anyway. No, definitely not. I loved all your lyrical, you know, you were saying in fleshing it out as a novel, you could sort of go into people's backstories, but you could also talk about place and and... And I loved all your lyrical um, descriptions of Auckland and and the other places. I mean, although you can't get too lyrical about Hamilton, but that's another story. <laughs> but but the the landscape and what it meant to people, you know, both your both your main characters go up the various mountains, Maunga of Auckland, mm. and and mm. and get a great deal of sustenance from being around in in the landscape. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I thought it was quite an irony, really, that in that last test, you know, there was such a sort of a an explosion, really, and there was beautiful Mount Eden sitting there, just sedately, you know, in its lovely green kind of casings, and all sorts of things were happening around it. But you know, that that these volcanoes of Auckland are dormant. You know, they're just sitting there. I mean, they um they look peaceable but they're not necessarily and um you know i think that says something about us as people as well you know well we, li- <laughs> we live in a dynamic place as people in christchurch know very well you you can't Absolutely. trust <laughs> you can't trust yeah. your surroundings and yeah that's true we might have looked like a dormant people just just cruising and letting things happen but in 1981 we mm. erupted. Well, I think you've done a fantastic job of of evoking the times and telling a very um, personal story, an intimate story of of the people who found themselves caught up. Thanks a lot. Oh, my pleasure, Kerry. I'll be recommending it. Hold the Line, the Springbok Tour of 81, a family, a love affair, a nation at war by Kerry Harrison and published by Cloud Inc. And join us, Moran Rout and Ruth Todd, next Tuesday on Bookends on Plains FM 96.9.